Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is powered by Den Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host, and I am here today with Preeta G. She and her husband, Krishna G, have a new book out, The Four Sacred Secrets. They also have a huge academy, O&O, in India, where people go and have these amazing transformations. People like Tony Robbins have actually visited. So these people are no joke. They're amazing. What I love about this book, and we really dive into the concepts today, is how simple she makes things, or they make things, and she talks about it very simply. And one of the big concepts which we're going to dive into is that at every single moment, you're either in a state of suffering or a beautiful state. And so much of what you do, you have control and choice. And if you can shift yourself to the beautiful state, the rest of life flows and your connection flows. Now, obviously, we get into a lot of details. It is really interesting. I think you guys are going to love this episode. and I think your mind's going to be blown a little bit. She's great. She's lovely. And like I point out later, she looks like she's 12. So obviously, whatever she's doing is working. So let's all jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> anyway, I really hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm here with Preeta Ji. And I'm so excited. Um, You and your husband do, I mean, so much for all of us. And that's what's amazing. A lot of these people listening probably are like, I don't even know who she is yet. And you're about to find out. But what's amazing about what you guys do is it's you vibrate everything that you're teaching throughout all of the world and all of the universe. And you're just making everybody better, whether it's one-on-one or just people listening to this podcast or people who don't even know you just by tangentially. So, I mean, for that, I'm very thankful. And... It's a lot of work. It's just, you know, the two of you started this O&O foundation and center that people can go to. And it's not just meditation. It is kind of teaching a way of life and a philosophical way of thinking that changes your perspective kind of on how to act day to day, which will bring you to happiness. And to I don't even like to say happiness because I feel like that puts a value on it, but brings you to... How would you say it brings you to what? You do it. To a beautiful state. I know <laughs> you talk about state. that in your book. Uh, we um, help individuals across the globe to awaken to a state of connection. Uh, we help individuals to walk out of suffering state and experience beautiful state, move out of separation, a separation-driven consciousness to a connection-driven consciousness, help individuals experience the oneness with all life. That has been the vision that has been driving us. Uh, We have been impacting individuals from different parts of the globe, different sections of the society, because everybody needs it right now. Isn't it interesting for you, like you just said, it's people from all over the globe, and I'm going to guess when they get there, it doesn't matter age, where they're from. It's probably almost always the same issue. Yes, absolutely. And Manifesting in a different way. Definitely. The suffering is just the same. The human mind has been the same ever since 
the dawn of human history. But it has become more intense right now in terms of it has crept into every aspect of our life. So we want individuals to live in a beautiful state so that they can attract abundance of every kind in their life. So I love this. And there's two things you just said I want to jump on. But just so the listeners who might not know, they wrote this amazing book, The Four Sacred Secrets, where you go through four kind of different ways to get to this state. But one of the main premises of what you guys do over there and also in your book is the choice. It's you're in one of two states. It's either suffering or a beautiful state. There's nothing in between. It's one or the other. And I love that because it's super simplistic. And if any of us just take a moment and think about it, it's like, that is true. You're either in a beautiful state or feeling good or okay about things, or there is, it can be as simple as just tiny bit of stress or feeling like you have to do something. You're just not in the flow, correct? Absolutely. What is, what is very um, very striking about this insight, it's from Krishnaji, and is that the, the most complicated gamut of human emotions, human experiences, is simplified into two states. So you are either over here or there. You are either in a suffering state or a stressful state or you are in a beautiful state and there is no third state. And behind everything that we see in life, whether it is, um, it is togetherness or separation or behind conflict in the, in the family or peace in the family, behind harmony or politics, it is an individual state of being. Right. So what is it that you are constantly fueling within yourself or what is it... That or are you nurturing a beautiful state? We, be we believe that probably is the most important decision that you need to make in life. And it's literally a second-to-second -second decision because it's constant. Oh, absolutely. That is, yeah. There would be a suffering state. You need to bring attention to it. You need to dissolve it and then enter being into a, get back into be living in a beautiful state. Right now, if you look at how fast the society is moving, we have not given any time for anybody to assimilate um, life itself, the, to process life itself. And we're just kind of accumulating and accumulating over our insecurities, our loneliness, our anxiety, our fears. And we, our experience of life is mostly from a suffering state. So fascinating. So here's my question on that, yes. which is what you kind of alluded to earlier, is was there ever a time, in, it could have even been a past civilization, was there ever a time that we as humans did not live from a suffering state? Is this something, I don't want to say more modern, because more modern could be, God knows, a past civilization. Is this something that has changed? Or, and again, I don't know your philosophy on this, is this part of what our entire purpose of human existence is? Is this our existence to go through this path of learning how to get out of suffering? Every ancient civilization spoke of an inward journey, whether it is ancient Chinese civilization or Indian civilization or an American, the ancient Americans, spoke of an inward journey to go through a process of an inward journey so that you're able to let go of the suffering state as and when it arises. That is, we pass through rejection, pass through failures, pass through a loss. And we need to enter into this inward journey so that we are able to live life afresh. Otherwise, what we're doing is we are continuing our past into our experience of present and also deciding our future. Which is here, and again, every time you say something, I have like two questions off of that. It's funny. So I have to remember both of them. But what's fascinating about that, it really is true. We don't realize, because most of us don't know how to process this stuff, yes. which we'll get into more, that every little feeling, if, you're not, if you are in the place of suffering, if you don't know how to kind of work through 
through that, you carry it with you and then it keeps affecting. It's almost like an accumulation of affecting your point of view for the future, which I want to get to. But what's keeping on the civilizations before we move on, do you feel like it was more prevalent back then or in these civilizations, an awareness of this is what our journey is? And so therefore it was part of the like daily life people knew it was more integrated versus now we're a little more removed and we're trying to get back there. Things like you're doing, things like we're doing here at the den, trying to remind people that this actually is part of your journey and you can be participatory in it to get there. Is my question clear? Or? No. So do you feel like at one point, like you were saying, every ancient civilization it is, talks about it an It should have journey. been a part of our journey. We really do not know how to process anxiety in our life. We do not know how to process a loss. We do not know how to process a painful experience. All that has been taught to us is, it's okay. Right. It's okay to live in suffering. It's okay to live in anxiety. It's okay to live in fear because that's how the whole world is functioning. You're feeling lonely. Yeah, even I'm feeling lonely. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but to understand that your state is so important, the state is the foundation on which your life is built, and we are ignoring your inner state, and we are exploring our external life. We are trying to create greatness in our external life when the foundation is not very strong. Where do you think that shift started happening where we really started moving past knowing this is our purpose, we are here to do this inward journey? Where do you think it started shifting to... Mm, that, that's not important. What's important is this stuff. And then obviously now we're in a place in society where it's catching up to us as a whole and individually. It is probably began sometime during the industrial civilization or even prior to that. But right now we are in a state like we really do not know what to do with life. Right. We are so confused. Very. We are super confused. Uh, there are statistics like Stress is being the greatest epidemic. I mean, isn't that crazy? And loneliness is a part of everybody's life. People are married but yet feeling lonely. People are in relationship but yet feeling lonely. There is an inner feeling of disconnection from everything around us. We have come to this place. And it's, it's gotten so prevalent. It's interesting. We did a talk, a live talk this past weekend with um, one of our teachers who's a beautiful soul who's transgender. And when he talks about his story, one of the things that hit me the most was which so many, anyone going through this usually feels, is the loneliness and how it brings them almost to suicidal, if not yes. to suicidal tendencies because they're so lonely. But when he talked about his journey too, on the outside, he was actually very happy and trying to fit in and be normal. And it was one of those things where it's like, wow, nobody could have even known you were that lonely to even get you out of that loneliness. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. like the loneliness is creating its own bubble. Especially when you're lonely. I wouldn't say it is not there for the other stressful states, but when you are lonely, you are lonely not because that there is no person sitting next to you. Right. We are surrounded with beautiful people. Right. It's but it is an inner sense of loneliness that creeps us creeps from within us. And we experience disconnection from your from your child who's smiling at you or disconnection from your partner. And when you're lonely, when you're disconnected in life, there is no meaning. There is no purpose for life. There is no, there is no direction for your life. You feel lost. You don't know why you are here in this world. You don't know what you're doing with your life. It is that disconnection. It's not only in loneliness, but a disconnection that we experience when we are suffering, disconnection that we experience when you're in anxiety, when you're in fear, the disconnection that you experience when you're in anger. That is all building on us. And what would you say, I mean, it's a big question, but is there a, grand purpose of life or is it all individual 
Sorry, she just said, I wish you guys could have seen the face she just made to me. When <laughs> <laughs> you say a grand purpose I mean, of like, a, is there a bigger that, uh, that suits all of us or is it individual? From my Does understanding, there is a purpose, there is a meaning that would emerge from every individual's life if you are in a state of connection. Otherwise, what drives us in our lives is fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of wanting to be seen, fear of wanting to be heard, fear of wanting to be significant or fear of not being loved, not being cared, feel, fear of like letting, letting be alone. It is these fears that is driving us or sometimes what is driving us in our life is anger, wanting to prove to somebody else and there is an inner, inner battle which we are fighting and we are trying to do make that as a drive towards life. And that almost seems like it comes from fear too. In yes, some absolutely. Ways, yeah. And what happens is these, these states does not create sustainable success or a sustainable vision or a purpose for your life. You get burnt out. See, imagine if it's like, it's like somebody has put a uh, fire around you and you're supposed to run, run up so that you don't get burnt out. That's the way we're living a life. It's funny, I was saying that the other day in a very different way, but we were talking about kind of ego and ego being involved like in business. And I was saying ego can get you be very, help you be very successful in business. I mean, it can drive you so far, but like ultimately at the core, 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 will you be happy? Fulfilled. Right, and fulfilled. And I was like, I, don't, I personally don't think so. I feel like if that's a driving force, you could probably be more successful than everyone around you. But ultimately, then you're, you're not actually paying attention to like, what part of this am I enjoying? Do I actually still enjoy this? Why am I doing it? Is it for me? Do I still want to be doing it? Because then it all becomes just about this equal success, which, which equals what I'm supposed to be doing. And not only that, Tal, what we have seen is people believe that by reaching or achieving, say, being a millionaire or a billionaire, you would become happy that fine day. But what, is, what has happened through the process is you have lost the ability to be an individual who can experience peace, who can experience calm, who can experience joy. Even if you have arrived by chance, you have arrived there, you have lost the very essence of life. The yeah. very essence of life is to connect, to feel the joy by including others. How do you talk about that on a, I'm trying to see how to say it, like on a, smaller scale in the sense of, and I hate even using a diminutive word because that's not what I mean, but how do you talk about that like in the sense of someone who's homeless or dealing with something where they might be like, if I can just get the house or if I can just get enough money to feed, you know what I mean? Where it's still attached to if I can do this, life will be better and then I'll be able to... Life, physical life, the, the luxury that we can experience or the comfort that we can experience can be different. But why do you need to move from a place of fear and anxiety to getting, to getting there? Why should you always live in this place where you feel you're less right. in order to get there? There is no need to do that. So that's the change of it. It's like, yes, of course, there's certain things that are going to make you physically more comfortable. But it's what is driving that? Is it just physical survival or is it a need to feel like it, you're going to be a better human? Is that what you're saying, kind of? It's I'm asking you this question. When we are driving our life towards achievement, towards wealth, from what state do you want to drive yourself? It can happen from two places. It can happen from a state of connection or it can happen from a state of fear or anxiety or anger. What is it that is driving you? What is the state from which you're moving towards 
achievement in life. Well, that brings us to the first secret, right? Yes. Is spiritual vision. And I, and what I love about it goes to what we were talking about of suffering or beautiful state. state. And it's basically you have to make a choice. You have to have a vision for your life or what it is you're doing. Like you were saying, if it's a business or life. And what I like about it, and I'd love for you to dive in a little bit more, is you were saying it's not a plan or a goal, which so many of us can do. Like, oh, this year I want to have, you know, I want the den to be this successful or have this many clients. It's not that at all. It's it's about what you were just saying, the vehicle, how you want it to look. So go ahead. Yeah, it's the vision. Everybody has a vision. A few of us have vision in terms of achievement. A few of us, it, it could be numbers. It could be, uh, say, weight loss. Or it could be health. We have focused on the external world. It's good to be focused there. But... When you're talking about a spiritual vision, which is the first sec- uh, sacred secret, we're talking about a vision for your inner state. It's not a secret anymore. <laughs> Just, how many times have you heard that? <laughs> we're, talk- we're talking about a state of being. And the vision for your inner state is what we call as a spiritual vision. What is the state from which you want to achieve, which you want to relate, which you want to uh, contribute to the world? That state becomes very important. Right now, what we are used to living is insecurity is fine. Loneliness is fine. Anger is fine. Fear is fine. Though it is unpleasurable, it is not a very pleasant experience. We continue living there because nobody has told us it is important to change your state of being in order to be a a great achiever, being a heartful partner, being a conscious leader, being a connected parent. You need to awaken in a state of being in order to create that external success effortlessly. When you are in a state of suffering, it is separation-driven. And you need to walk out of that separation-driven consciousness in order to feel that the universe is your friend. Otherwise, the inner conflict that you experience, you would begin to feel that the universe is working against you. Is, are we born with the feeling of separateness, or do we have the feeling, or does it start happening... With the, the the sad part is probably we have seen we have been working with people across the globe, different ages, different uh, sections of the society. We've seen many cases like one particular incident ruling their life. Yeah, one particular or one period of their experience in life, kind of ruling everything they experience about life, the relationship, the happiness that they create. Everything is so it could be as small as literally one moment. And it then could it be. And then you're getting used to it. So I experienced, say, uh, an experience of loneliness when I was a child, and I build on it. So it's not that one particular experience, but it is your constant engagement with that experience. It becomes your point of view or your purview of everything. You're, you're designed, your brain is yeah, designed. Like your glasses. Yeah. You are like your classes. Well, yes. yeah. One thing you say in the book, which I love, is um, how you were saying that you could be given the most brilliant. It doesn't matter what brain you're given. You could be given like the best brain, the smartest, the most intelligent, the most creative brain. But all those grooves are actually created, which have all the information in it, by your habits and your yes. habitual thoughts. So, like what you're saying, if that one thing happens and that becomes the glasses you put on the grooves you're putting into this perfect, amazing brain that you've been given by the most brilliant, kind, compassionate parents is now overtaken by the different streets that you've decided and the highways to put in it. So it almost doesn't It's like matter. that neural connection in your brain is so strong. Sometimes we get back into experiencing that emotion. I people realize, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yes. but it's, to me it's so fascinating, and I know it's coming out more with studies with meditation and stuff, but I really don't think people realize 
how much of like our actions, our vibrations, our meditation, our practices, our thoughts physically, and we're not just talking stress, which is Mm -hmm. becoming more prevalent, like what you're saying changes the shape of your brain. So literally you're the one who's actually making your brain think more negatively because of the glasses you've put on. Absolutely. But you can take the glasses off. (laughs) Yes, you can, definitely. That's why we're talking about inner journeys. That is why it is important to go through one's inner truth, to go through one's experience, see life more clearly in terms of what is happening within you. Since we are not used to looking at oneself, we are not used to looking at seeing within oneself. We are yeah. only focused on what is yeah, outside. Yeah. We really do not know. Actually, you do not know what, when, what, is, what is it that we're experiencing. We really do not know. You talk a lot about, in that regard, healing the wounded child. child and just is. what you're saying, it could be one thing. Yeah. What if there's, and I'll just explain it before I get into the question. So basically what she was saying, anything can happen. It could be one thing, it could be a very traumatic childhood as a whole. It could be a lot of things. But the trauma is part of you, and until you heal it, that can help you take you from the suffering. Everybody talks about trauma. What what we're trying to show in this um, this wounded child is, if you, the experience that you've had is probably an experience you had once, but that one experience is building in your consciousness is creating a deep ramification in your consciousness. And even today as an adult, you feel that you're not loved. Even today as an adult, when the situation is not the same, probably you have greater control, you're more stronger. But that experience of not being loved, not being cared, if you had felt it, you continue to engage in it and it becomes very monstrous in your consciousness. And today, even when you are old, you are strong, the situation is not as bad as what it was and you have control over your situation, that feeling of not being loved, not being cared, not being seen, not being heard continues in our consciousness. Well, I mean, it goes kind of the point of like the neural pathways. Like if you've created these grooves, they're imprinted until you do something to help Absolutely, you need to change it. You need to change, you need it. to change it. You need to change it with the learning, the wisdom, the practices, the powerful processes. And what we add on is an expansive state of consciousness. If you look at a suffering state, it is a state in which you feel so limited. It is a constricted state, a state where you're preoccupied with yourself. So in order to let go of the suffering, for few people it is easy through meditation. For few people, they struggle. Yeah. They want, what, what they need is a powerful state where they move beyond themselves, a powerful state of expansion to include others, whether they feel so connected with people around them or they, so, they feel so connected with life around them or the entire universe. Those states where they move beyond themselves is, has a, such a healing impact on whatever has happened in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty... It's, it's pretty crazy, and but it is, again, it's people have to know they have the ability to do it. Absolutely. Through these, the practices that you give, and I'm getting off subject a little bit, but it's off of what you just said, um, how did you guys create them? Were they downloads for you guys? Were they... It was experiences part- of the transcendence. It is the mystical experiences. It is the experiences of interns- intensively or intensively, deeply observing one's inner experiences. And can you talk about the idea of intellectualizing versus practice? Because, and I know she's making the face, which means I'll explain it more. (laughs) Meaning, 
again, we're talking about, because I, I always find this fascinating kind of, and I'm all for therapy. This is not me saying I'm not for therapy. You always have to be really careful. But I do think there is something of over-talking something and over-intellectualizing, intellectualizing. And in some ways, going back to kind of the groove idea or in the way I talk about it in my practice, it's like vibration. It's like if you have a thought and you're putting more vibration behind that thought, you're just amplifying it. So let's say you're putting more grooves into that brain it's almost like the more you talk about it, even though you might be talking it out, and then there's the idea of practice or the experience or the meditation or, you know, talk about the balance of what those two things are in order to help move you on. See, in the field of happiness, a four-day retreat that happens across the globe. I was just in Omega doing it <clears throat> last week. What we do is, in order to arrive at a complete or a, a revolution in one's consciousness. We give them the teachings in terms of wisdom that is needed and the wisdom of living in a beautiful state, wisdom mm -hmm. of going beyond themselves, wisdom of having experienced connection. And it happens in a place where they are having a defocused attention. There is an attention, but not the attention that we usually see, an experience of defocused attention. And there is insight into life possible. That is very essential in order to change the neural uh, pathways that is created. It, it, Say that again. The new, it, no, what is essential? What is essential? So what you were just saying, what is essential to changing the neural pathways? What is essential to changing the neural pathways is a powerful transformation in terms of a mm -hmm. powerful experience, in terms of connection. What is needed is to keep that transformation is the practices that would go again and again to keep what you've learned, to keep the neural connections that you've had and also have the right wisdom about how you look at life, how you experience life from a defocused uh, state and you experience an insight into life to see and to look at life very differently as opposed to what you've been used to seeing. It's so, isn't it so interesting? Because everything, and we'll get more into it also through kind of your secrets, but it's like we have all the answers are there. And we're actually, it's just so funny how hard it is to actually get oh, it, to what we already have. It is. It <laughs> Do you know is. what I mean? It's, it's because like it's, we've made it so easy to get all the shit that like we <laughs> yes. don't actually have. But the thing we actually carry, no matter how rich or how poor or how old or wherever, is the hardest thing to get to. As I said, as a civilization, we have lost the importance of living in a beautiful state. Our state probably is the last thing that we think about right now. But over, over the years, I'm seeing a change. Yeah. People are tired. They're tired <laughs> of living in a stressful state. They're tired of experiencing loneliness. So they're tired of getting distracted constantly of the fear of being, being with themselves. They are tired and they are looking at wanting to experience a different life. And that's why I see that there is, uh, though the spiritual experience, this inner journey was limited to a speaker, to a seeker's community earlier. Right now it is not limited to a seeker community. It is becoming a part of lifestyle itself. It is becoming an individual wanting to be a better parent, a better, a better human being is wanting to undergo this uh, transformative experience in order to create a beautiful life. I love that. And do you think, I mean, I do, do you feel like as time goes on, we're going to see, as let's say these people who are like evolving and becoming more one with themselves and understanding this beautiful state, as they become parents and then hopefully raise their kids is there something to that being raised or no matter what, the kids, no matter how they're raised, the kids are going to go through their no, trauma and absolutely. then therefore... <laughs> a state of connection that especially a parent experiences, the way it can impact the child is huge. 
So every time I say this to the participants in the field of abundance, I say when I'm when I'm teaching over here, when I'm leading you through the process, I don't see you as one individual. Actually, I see you as an individual impacting several generations that is to come. Oh, that's beautiful. Because your state has an impact on the way your child experiences life. You communicate through your state much more than your gestures, your words, your behaviors, more than being a role model is your state of being. That's actually interesting. It's almost like you can think as hard as you want as a parent on what type of role model you want to be, but they're smart enough to see through it. They're going to actually see how you are living, and that's what matters. Absolutely. That's we are like We are like the antennas. At least I would feel when I was, uh, when Loka was younger, Loka's my daughter, and when she was younger, I would feel that she would, she's experiencing the world only through me. If I'm going to be in a state of suffering, if I'm going to be in stress, if I'm going to be in loneliness and insecurity, that is what I'm teaching my child. That is what I'm imparting my child to her, her state. And what do you think about, to get off the topic of towards parenting for a little bit, like when the kids have natural tendencies, like can you help, I mean you never want to counteract anything that's naturally a child's, but like you were saying, let's say you have a kid that's actually on that point a worrier, like born a worrier. Like that just tends to be where they go, but you as a parent are not a worrier. Can you, like... Your sense, your, see, a state of being is, our emotions are probably epigenetically transferred. Um, and it's not only transferred to our kids, it's transferred to two generations. That's what science is trying to tell right now. Right. It's it, is, it is two generations. Like we are impacting how our grandchild is going to experience life. That said, if you as a parent is able to transform your inner experience, if you are in that space of connection, you can change that connection that you experience with your child can change the way she experiences life. That's interesting, especially like through adoption when you talk about it that way, because then the epigenetics are from a different line. But you as a parent, you have the ability because connection as an experience has a huge potential to impact the inner state. So if there's any reason to get people on board, if you are a parent, it's like this is such an amazing motivation to start paying attention to yourself. Because Absolutely, and nurturing a beautiful state within yourself. Yeah, because you're automatically, without having to do any more work, helping your child find it themselves. Absolutely. Love that. We have, I've, meet, I've met children who were like grew up and experiencing a very insecure life in childhood and a transformation in one parent can actually change what the child is experiencing. Is there like an age cutoff for that? Not really. Uh, of course, there are e easier ages when they're young. Right. They're impressionable age. Yeah. But I, would, I have seen it even when the children are much older. And like a parent 20s. just comes home kind of transformed. Yes. Absolutely. Oh my God, are you guys listening to that? I feel like that's such great motivation for Definitely, people. Definitely, because I mean, I always say if, if everything is decided and you know written and destined that way, then there is no need for any of us doing any work. That's true. And I have seen parents transform and create a different experience for their child. And recently in Omega, I was just doing the book signing, and one of the parents, one of the a young man came up and said, "You know, what you have taught to my mother." has changed the way I'm feeling. Oh. Uh, he, I, I, I'm sure he was more than 20 years old. I, I love that, though. And I do feel like, in general, you know, it's something you hear about, which kind of brings us a little bit to inner truth, because you talk a lot about, in the inner truth, kind of self-obsession, and an obsessive self-obsession, I think that's yes. what you say. And um, 
which I want to talk about because I think it's, again, just like the very clear thing of suffering or, uh, you know, beautiful state. I feel like the self-obsession is another very simple tenant that if we all think about it, it's like, yep, that's exactly right. And it is that suffering is almost derived because we, the lens, the glasses to put them back on are always about me, 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 me. Whether you realize it or not, even if you think it's coming from a good place, it tends to be like how it's affecting you, what it's doing, what you feel, how did this mistake happen? Why are they doing this to me? Why was that person rude to me? And even it happens to all of us. And some people live in it in a really dark, deep place. Like, and even those of us who tend to be very positive still live in it sometimes. I mean, it's impossible not to. So, but off of that, what you're talking about is usually when you're dealing with that as someone, you can't necessarily tell someone, oh, you're in a self-obsessive state, get out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> this truth is for you to see and not for not to blame another. Right, yes. exactly. <laughs> but it's what you were talking about, like how these parents are affecting the children without doing anything but taking care of themselves. It's kind of, again, I work a lot on energy and vibration. It's like that change of vibration and frequency is elevating those around you. Absolutely. And when you're talking about uh, the self-centric thinking, when we suffer, we think we're suffering for a noble cause. We're suffering because of them. We're suffering because of this that happened in my life. But it, what Krishnaji was actually trying to communicate That's through her the husband, insight, by the way. Yes, my husband, the founder, <laughs> um, is every suffering continues within us because of our obsession with ourselves. If we are not engrossed with ourselves, the suffering does not continue. And I'd like to make a clear distinction between uh, a challenge and a suffering. External circumstances occur. There are challenges that human species faces, but even animal species, plant species, every species in this world faces challenges. Uh, But one thing very, very special about human species is they continue the external challenge inwardly, which we call as suffering. And this internal continuation of an external challenge actually robs us of intelligence. It's so, it's so true. It's like an animal is about to get attacked. They deal with the problem and then they probably don't even think about it anymore yeah, when it's done. Absolutely. But this continuous inner dialogue is suffering. And this suffering continues within you because you are engaged or engrossed with yourself. It is self-centric in nature. There is nothing more noble about suffering. But I like what you said that it takes away intelligence. Intelligence. Because what you need to do when there is a challenge is bring intense awareness to the external life, bring intense awareness to the situation and then responds with deep clarity, knowing very clearly. But once this inner dialogue starts off, you you lose the ability to look at the external life. Well, you, you say in there that the inner truth, which is like the chapter we're on, inner truth is self-awareness, which is not solving a problem. No. Which I love. It's awareness in the light of the insight that this continuing inner dialogue, if you look at it very clearly, it is like if you have to leave it as a formula, it'll be me plus me plus me plus me plus me. There's no place for anybody else. And it's true. And And people are probably like, what does that mean, lack of intelligence? And I can... I see it all the time. I have friends that get stuck in their own way. And it's the me, me, me. And they don't realize it because inherently they're not a selfish human. No, it's, and I think know, it's people, very different from selfishness. It is, but I think yeah. people make that misconception or that mistake. And 
I've, I've sat there through years hearing the same problems. It's like, how many times can I hear that this boss sucks and they got fired and all their problems at work are the boss's fault? And then, of course, every guy they date is awful. And even though it's the same issue every time, and you can see it as the outsider, it's very easy to see. It's clear to see where there's probably a little bit happening about you versus it just being everything happening to you. To you. And But because of the me, 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 they have the inability to step out of it and see the clear landscape, which would probably relieve a lot of this anxiety. And so then it perpetuates itself. And like what you say, this self-obsession creates chaos in life, which I would love for you to talk a little bit more because about. Because we are not separate individuals. What happens inside manifests in the external life. If there is an inner chaos, inner conflict, inner noise, inner, inner war that would manifest in your, in your external life because we are not separate individuals. Uh, to feel, I can, be, I can feel separate from you. You are one, you are Tal and I am Preetji. But in the realm of consciousness, we are not separate. Right. We are connected in the realm of consciousness. And when we are in a suffering state, when we are experiencing life driven by separation, we, we kind of are communicating to the world that we are open to problems. But how... It seems so simple in the sense of like, okay, make the choice. You want the beautiful state versus the suffering state. I mean, who wouldn't choose that if presented like pick A or B? And then same How thing. How to do it. Yes. And then it's the same thing here of like, okay, get out of the me, me, me. Stop looking at your, take off those glasses, change the lens and see it from a broader perspective. But yes, how do you do it? That's the we, have, <laughs> we have the practices, the soul sync meditation. Even if you're going to do 9 to 12 minute practice, we're able to rewire or change the way you experience life. That is going to be an added ability for you to live a life in a beautiful state. So that's why th there is a place for practices, meditation, so that you nurture a beautiful state in your consciousness. And once the de journey gets deeper, then you'll be able to see very clearly. When you start seeing, actually we begin to feel that we don't even know what we're feeling. That's, a, that's the first thing. We, we mistake... Uh, inspiration we think it's when there is anger we believe it's inspiration when there is worry mm. we believe it is love or when there is fear you believe it's passion or intelligence we really do not know ourselves we do not know what we feel we are not capable of actually coming and getting seated within ourselves to feel what we are so that is the first step we need to take first step is can like, i back up a second yes. though so going back to childhood where have we gone wrong and how we've been raised? Do you know what I mean? In the sense of why don't we have that skill set? Neither our civilization nor the society, nor parents, nor religion, nor school, nor education system has not brought attention to our inner state. We're focused on our external success. We're focused on our achievements. There's nothing wrong with external success or achievements. I, I love comfort. I love, I, love, I mean... It's, it's good to have everything, but not by ignoring your inner state. Not by saying, I will live in fear and create success or live in anxiety and become an achiever. It doesn't make any sense. Where we have gone wrong? Because of our obsessive, obsessive attachment or belief. It's a belief, I would say. It's an assumption that we have that an external success is what is going to make us happy. Yeah. What we're trying to say is, if you become a happy, a happy individual, if you're nurturing a beautiful state, the success and the achievement would become effortless to you. Right now, you are like a hamster in a wheel, running very fast, trying to cover distance, but you're in exactly the same position as where you started off. 
because what you're facing is constant challenges constant problems and most of most part of your life is going into trying to solve those challenges and problems but those challenges and problems are coming because you are in a suffering state because you are in a state of disconnection it is like a cancer cell in your body yeah you're declared independence and you're living separately that's a cancer cell and your body is not going to support that cancer cell because the body knows very clearly if it is going to support that cancer cell that means its own death so the universe is not going to support you when you are experiencing separation like a cancer cell I love that actually. The universe isn't going to support you when you're experiencing separation because that's not where you're supposed to be. Yes. When you are feeling connected, that is when you're going to receive the immense support from the universe. When you are feeling separate, not because of selfishness. We're not talking about selfishness. We are more we are not talking about good or bad. We are moved you beyond be it. giving him and being in the world. From what still, state are you giving yeah. it? Are you wanting to give it because you want to feel that you are right, you are the giver, you are the generous? Well, it brings up a big thing about codependence, I think. Like reading, I was like, oh, that's an interesting point about codependency and just yes, you're giving and giving and taking care and, you know, being the caretaker constantly and really concerned about that other person and what they're going through. And, but for what, where is it coming from? What's the vehicle? Are you coming from a place of connection, feeling them connected to them? Or are you feeling that you have to feel right? Right. So this is not about good and right, good and good and bad, because I think we have had our entire run from civilization talking about good and bad. And a focus has been to be good person versus bad person. Here we are, we are not talking about it. We are talking about your state of being. Are you feeling separate or are you feeling connected? So now to bring you back to the exercises you were talking about, yes. going in and noticing, so you pay attention. For someone who doesn't even understand what you're talking about, what is that like in the beginning? Very confusing, not knowing what to feel. Not knowing what am I, what am I feeling? What because it's like, about, what right? are you talking about? I, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling anger now, but it's changed to fear. But it's changed to insecurity. It's changed to loneliness. It's like changing every minute. Right. But to be at it again and again, it's a practice. You have given the ten, you've been given the tennis racket. You hit the first ball. It's not easy. But again and again, as many balls as you face, you're going to get better at it. So this is a practice. You need to become a person who is intensely aware of what you're feeling. You need to be, and then move a step forward and seeing the movement of your mind. Are you going back to a past experience again and again and again? Is one emotional hurt, one emotional uh, hurt of disappointment is what you're clinging on to again and then getting back to that experience and from which you're living your present and then you're deciding your future. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Because you're, because you're, as, as you're going back again, you're lost out on the present. Right. And then you complicate because you're acting or responding to life because of your past experience. Also, from everything you're saying, if, if you're constantly doing this work, the past has no bearing anymore because you're physically not the same person. Because you're now changing your neural pathways, you're changing your brain, I'm sure that means, and your balance of hormones has changed. Like, everything's changed, so you're physically not even the person you were from whatever you're going back to. You're not the person you were. The situation in in your life is not what it was. You need to begin to be in a fluid life. Yeah. You can't be stuck like ice. So why do people... I mean, it's kind of keeps within inner truth. Why? And I, I see it all the time. Like people don't want to let go of some of that stuff. Because they're used to being there. That's a very painful experience. They are used to being in that place. And it's become their home. I always share this story. I don't know if you're familiar with it. There are two women 
one selling fish and the other selling uh, flowers. I love this. Yeah, please <laughs> yes. share it. Getting back, uh, they're getting back after selling the products, getting back home and it begins to rage. So fish, fish seller decides to spend the night at the flower seller's home. They have dinner together and they go to sleep. And uh, in the middle of the night, the flower seller, so the fish seller is not happy. She tosses from one side to the other side. She's very disturbed. Then she wakes up to see what was disturbing her. She sees a basket full of flowers very close to her fresh flowers and it's extremely disturbing for her <laughs> so she pushes the flowers away and she pulls the basket full of fish dead fish very close to her she sprinkles water on it inhales and then goes to sleep very comfortably we are the fish sellers we are used to being in insecurity like anger fear loneliness we make that our home we make we become very comfortable with the smell of dead fish and we live our life believing that's the way to live life because it is interesting. I mean, that's such a great story because it's so true. We see people all the time who, whether it be an incident with a friend that's happened where they just want to hate that person for the rest of their life or an ex-husband or a boyfriend or vice versa or a death and they can't get over, you know, being abandoned, whatever it is. And it's like the anger is so palpable and you there's almost nothing you can do as the outsider to help them understand like, I mean, it's your, you can continue to be as angry as you want or you can choose to look at it differently. Absolutely. I mean, um, and fueling that anger, every time you fuel that anger, more easy it is for you to get back to that anger. That is, few of us uh, get back to feeling anger when the situation needs, when there is a change in the external environment, and few of us get back to anger because we're used to it. Now, so much of inner truth is, and you talk a lot about this book too, is kind of self-love. It's the moment of, because when you have that ability, whatever, let's say you're in a bad situation and you have the ability to look at it from a broader perspective. And it's not about I'm right, they're wrong, or this happened to me. It's simply like, this is how it presented itself. This is how I'm feeling. And by the way, you could be feeling like shit and that's yes, okay. Absolutely. Yes, it's fine. It's not about... Perfect emotions. It's not about perfect emotions, perfect thoughts, but it is to feel comfortable with what is happening. It's about within owning your, it. Yes. And so, and then when you can own it, and that's where like the self-love comes in. Absolutely. Of just being okay with every spectrum of yourself. Because that inner commentary, that inner noise, when we talk about the judgment, constant judgment about oneself or the other, is the suffering state. Yeah. It is that inward dialogue that is constantly happening within you. It is not about how beautiful or how great your inner state is. It's about how comfortable you are with that state. Don't forget about our retreats. We always have so many. And we have a cool one here because this is just a day long. So you can come in and out if you're from far away. Come stay with a friend or get a hotel room and come do it for a day. Or if you live here, even better. It's going to be at the Den La Brea. It's September 28th with Heather Preet. It's a self-compassion retreat. As you know, she's amazing. She is our senior mindfulness instructor. And she's incredible. So again, a self-compassion retreat, day long, at the Den La Brea from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. on September 28th. If you're interested, go to denretreats.com. You can also check out some of our other retreats there as well. So 
we get a lot of comments from you guys about how awesome the stuff with crystals are. And I know people are just scratching the surface with it. So we've got Colleen McCann coming back. She was actually on episode 62 and the How You Can Heal Yourself panel, which was episode 68. She's incredible. And she is doing an incredible event with us. It's called Crystal Curious. It is Saturday, October 5th. It is an event from 1.30 till 4.30. It's $75. And it's an intro to like stone medicine. So everything you need to know, how you can heal with crystals, how you can build your own arsenal of crystals. You will also get some crystals, which is always fun, but you're going to learn so much. Plus she is just a blast and will keep you laughing the entire time. So it won't feel so, so serious, but you will learn as if it's very serious. So that's, what's great about it. So come have a good time, learn a ton. This event's going to be amazing and it will sell out. So again, that's October 5th, 1.30 to 4.30. It's called Crystal Curious. Go to denmeditation.com and reserve your spot. Hey guys, I want to talk about a Den Talks Live. We have Shaman Jurek coming back, but this time we have him live and it is for his book launch. How exciting is that? He's coming out with Spirit Hacking. You're going to want this book and you're going to want it signed by him and you're going to want to ask him a ton of questions and this is the best place to do it. So make sure you go to dentalkspodcast.com, go to Dentalks Live Events and reserve your space, reserve your ticket. Again, it's October 19th, 7 p.m. at La Brea. See you there. Now let's move to your third secret is universal intelligence. Is there an order to all this? Or because my question about universal intelligence, which kind of is what we've been talking about, is you are connected to so much more. You and I are connected, even though we have separate finite bodies. There is an energy kind of and a consciousness that's that we share. Yes. And we are one. And, you know, and some people can refer to it as God, some it's the universe, some it's an energy. So I mean, right? People yes. have different terms for it. Absolutely. Um, because what went through my head is for some people, if that was the first thing, does that help with other things of knowing you're not alone and there's something more? Or is it just impossible to have that full understanding when until you, you go through the When you are in suffering, when in state of desperation, when in state of obsession, when in state of fear, there's no connection with anybody, including the universal intelligence, because it is a state of separation. Right. So... Uh, there are there are few people who eulogize suffering, saying suffering is great, it's giving you strength. Probably challenges, but not suffering. Suffering is a very wasted experience where you feel separate. You do not get stronger because you suffer. You're not destined for suffering. You're, um, it's uh, it's not happening to you to make you stronger. I mean, we try to hold on to philosophical ideas, some metaphysical ideas, to say why this is happening to us in our life. Yeah. But any suffering state it does not do any good. It is a state of disconnection. And in a state of suffering, if you're trying to connect to the universal intelligence or the God or the field or the energy, it is like having a very good cell phone, but unable to speak to anybody because you do not have a network. So it's like you're aware. It's like kind of when you're stuck on that mountain and you want to call someone. So you might be aware that that exists. Yes. So you could be as close as that, but you're really not going to have the benefits of the conversation. Absolutely. You can't you hear. You can speak out very loud. You can cry. You can... You can cry out loud, but it's not uh, doesn't have yeah, no conversation, no responses. You wouldn't receive a response. So it's almost a little bit like when we're in that place of like begging. Sometimes, you know what I mean. And and, I, and by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with begging when you're desperate <laughs> yeah. and you need something. I think asking is great. But I mean, haven't we always been there where it's like, I'll do this if you do that. It's like bargaining. <laughs> bargaining. And, no, it's when you are in that state. Not that it's. Like you need to be intensely aware of that state. It is right. important that you dissolve that state and then ask. Then have the universal intelligence manifest in your heart. You can experience it as a field of energy. Or you can experience it as divine. You can experience it as uh, a presence or stillness. And then ask. You know, you talk a lot about success with business and the book even goes there Like, because you deal with a lot of yes. CEOs and a lot of huge leaders. Um, Tony Robbins himself comes to you. But... <laughs> 
when you're talking about kind of success, again, talk a little bit more, and I know you touched on it in the beginning of the conversation, a little bit about what success means and being able to be driven and have goals and have strategies, but do it from within the state. Absolutely. Or I don't know if I said earlier, but Krishnaji always says in a very beautiful, gives a pictorial depiction uh, of um, Buddha traveling in a Benz along with loved ones. Oh. That is a complete life. Yeah. You will live in a transformed state of consciousness Achieve when you're talking about transform state of consciousness, not from a state of anger, fear, stress, suffering, from a state of connection, from a beautiful state, or experiencing um, life, the vastness of life, and then from that state create abundance, from that state create achievement, and from that state experience beautiful love with your loved ones. But I think that's an important distinction because I think some people, another, you know, I think like you were saying, there's so many layers that sometimes come in before someone's willing mm -hmm. to even look inward or be open. And I think one of those two is like, mm, this is just a thing trying to get me to not want things anymore, not oh, have no. things. We are very clear. The, the vision behind this book is to make sure that spirituality, those experiences of transformation, you're taking it and putting it in life for you to experience abundance of love, abundance of joy, abundance of prosperity to create a complete life. And talk about that a little bit because, you know, manifestation is such a key word out there now. Mm -hmm. People love it and it's, you know, vision boards and people, and we talk a lot about that on this podcast because I have my own point of view about where I think it can be very misleading or not always the best practice. But to so talk about your version of like how my you version can create. Of, uh, my version of uh, uh, manifestation is not positive thinking, um, not by uh, putting out to the universe alone, but it is your state. What is the state from which you're attracting all the beautiful things in life. If you are in a beautiful state, if you are experiencing deep connection, then you're automatically feeling that the universe is your friend and universe is supporting you in all your heartfelt intentions and manifesting it, it, it for you in your life. I love that. Because, I mean, that's a little bit what I talk about too, which is I feel like you know, the vision boards and stuff tell you to be so specific. If you're super specific, you'll get then what you get want. It, yeah. <laughs> and I always feel like, but if you're so specific, sometimes you're missing the point or maybe what you're supposed to be actually getting. And I do feel like what you're saying is if you can come from the state and it's, it's, it's more of this projection of, like you said, what path do you want to take? It'll, the abundance will come, but it will come exactly in how you're supposed to have it yeah, and probably and, in the best way. And you are not stuck either. Right. You're open to receiving it and probably get much more than what you thought you would get. Right, because if you think it's this, you might totally miss the beautiful presence on the side over here. It's not positive thinking alone or it is not clear thinking alone, but it is your state that is conducive for you to create your destiny. See, it always goes, but that's what people don't realize. It is, yes, positive thinking is a choice. And so much of this is about a choice. But part of the way we can make choice our pattern is by changing our state of being. Being, yes. Which is what I say all the time. It's like you got to work on your container in order to be able to handle more so that you can start actually making these changes that are palpable. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about you and your husband. You came, do you come from a lineage of this? Yes, like we are you... the second generation of people doing this work. Okay, so and you were you were born into it. Yes, and not me. My husband was born into it. <laughs> but I have had um, powerful experiences and an experience with my husband itself uh, in terms of the connection that we experience, the joy that we experience, the togetherness that we experience is what we want to share with the world. We believe so, the world's disease or the epidemics of the current state of the world is because we are driven by separation. 
we are probably living under the same roof but we experience as being separate from the other now is this something like he was raised within this is this something like when you first started when did you guys you kind of grew up together yes, right yes we grew up together so you've always known him yes and did you always have a special relationship not really from the very beginning no but i've seen him as a person who can probably could connect much more than what i could oh interesting yes. i've always seen him as a person who's more evolved than i am and um, a very a, has a very uh, has a very way, very clear way of looking at life there is no he is very i would he say knows is, yeah what he wants he, and he, not only he knows he what he it. wants his ability to see truth his ability to look at life very clearly is what is and his ability to connect to the universe his ability to transfer a state is that what is very special with him was he always like that like was he just born yes. that way he is he has had powerful experiences since he's been 11 wow. and he's transferred his state to thousands of people ever since he was young and, and don't take this wrong way but was there ever a time like especially when you guys started coming together that you felt inferior like did that ever be something that no, you had to work on no not at all he would never make me feel inferior he would make me feel very comfortable with the person i am cuz that's who he is <laughs> yes <laughs> he would be i mean that's that i would say like you don't really feel with everybody no, but you don't. He, yeah he he would make me feel that i'm just the perfect person on this planet and do you feel like again from what we were talking about before from that holding that for you do you feel like you've changed and grown i mean you guys have Absolutely. been together a long time yes. but it's impacting it's impacting the way i think about life i perceive life i relate to people i connect to people the connection has been part of my life ever since the i would say a gift to connect to people has been there but it has grown ever since we are married and we're together and in your culture were you guys put together or did you choose we chose so there was always like a yes. connection now what are like obviously you sit around and have some big conversations clearly <laughs> do you ever just sit around and have dumb conversations oh yes i would love <laughs> the best part of my life i would say is having a coffee with my husband in the morning and what do you guys talk about anything anything a person or a participant or a journey or the vision anything it could be do you guys ever watch tv he watches i'm not a tv person <laughs> <laughs> he watches and gives me information <laughs> i love so. that do you go to movies do you do yeah, we love movies Uh, I'm not a movie person either but he <laughs> loves movies. So what kind of person are you? What's your thing that's different from like this study? I um, I'm I'm a very family person. Mm-hmm. I like being with my daughter. I like I love being with my husband. Those moments are very very special to me. Do you feel like you create that in your household? Yes, we make sure that we create it. We don't take it for granted, especially looking at the current uh, lifestyle that we are leading in terms of having to travel to so many countries. We make sure that we create pockets where the family is together. Do you ever feel like you're under a microscope because of what you're teaching? I think people know me for the person who I am. So it's it's not difficult because... I'm just the same person when you when I get back home. <laughs> so even in this practice, like what is your Achilles heel? Like what's the thing that you have to work you have to be like, yep, that's bringing me to the suffering state. Let me get back to the beautiful state. Is there something that gets you every time? I mean, it could be small, it could be No, I I um I would love to be there for my daughter more. Yeah. So when I'm not there and when she, she needs me. It's been very few occasions, then that's when my heart goes out 
saying I should have been there, but but she's she's uh, she's I think we we are kind of brought her up in such a way that she doesn't stay in suffering for long, so she gets out of it. So talk to me about that. What, especially as a parent, I am curious. Like this is amazing. How does this translate to raising? A, like what are few things as a parent you can do? There's only one thing I would definitely recommend any parent. If you are, because whatever has happened to you in your past, if you are an individual who are who's used to living in a suffering state, with that state, we really cannot impact our little ones. If you are experiencing a state of connection, you can transfer it to your child. And your child would begin to feel that this world is so beautiful, would begin to feel that it's not an insecure place where you have to prove, where you're being judged, where you're being commented. That's a very unpleasant experience to grow up with. If you can change the way you are experiencing life and if you're able to actually extend your arms and feel what your child is feeling, experience your child, that feeling will have a huge impact on healing whatever trauma or whatever experiences your child will have. How does it also work in the framework of rules or no rules? or You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, it's it, like you don't want them it, to... Um, I mean, I, when we have a vision for our child's inner state, when that becomes a guiding light, you will know exactly. From, you can do it from a state of connection. Not that Loka doesn't receive a no from us. She right. does receive a no, but it comes from a feeling. Not come up, come, not, does not come from a place of uh, domination or control or I'm the, I'm the parent, you're supposed to listen. Those doesn't work. But if you can do it from a place of connection, that response, whatever that response is, yes or no, it's, it's easy for the child to process it. That's amazing. And let's, one last thing I want to kind of talk about, or two things, and you hinted a little bit earlier too, what do you feel like the blend of mysticism and kind of science is for you guys? Science is coming up with a lot of, uh, it's it's probably getting a lot of insights into the way the human mind is thinking or the human brain is functioning. And when we talk about mysticism, it is something that the ancients have explored. And uh, it is something that we've also explored because of the various mystical experiences that we have had or beyond the ordinary experience that we have had. And we are translating those experiences in terms of practices, in terms of processes, so every individual can experience that state. You're doing such amazing work. I mean, it's really incredible. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. And we're going to do your four U's. And then she's going to do her personal practice. But it is, you're really breaking stuff down into a way that I think people can see. It's, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, it's a choice. It's a perspective. It's all about point of view. But the way you really break it down. And then, you, you know, especially in this book, you give people exercises they can do. Because as we were talking about today, the practice we is wanted really this important. Pra- we wanted this book to become a journey for people, not yet another piece of knowledge. There is so much of knowledge out there. Yeah. So this this book was written with a vision of making it a journey for an individual. So if you're able to take it at a very slow pace, take a chapter a day, assimilate it, you would begin to see that your perceptions are changing, your experience is changing, the way you love, the way you relate, the way you achieve, everything is changing. And you do talk a lot about in there about relationships too, which I love, because I do think it's, again, we, we touched on it, but it is so huge that when you can start making these shifts, what it'll do. And I think a lot of us have been there where you have a partner or you've dated someone that can be really negative or kind of operate from this thing. And our initial instinct is like, oh, how can I point it out to them or fix them and change them? And you kind of realize that when you start making your own shifts and actually don't worry about them at all, they actually weirdly start shifting themselves. Absolutely. Whether it's a parent or a partner or a child, 
your shifts your change your consciousness has huge impact we believe that again it comes from a belief that we are separate and we can't do anything to how the other person feels but if you move away beyond the physical reality in the realm of consciousness we are all connected so your state is going to impact another person's state right if you if you raise rise they rise absolutely i love that you'll be like the hub tree in the forest cajoling and connecting and holding and supporting every other at least 47 other trees without necessarily doing it to support you it's it's almost like a byproduct yes. versus my goal is no. to support every single tree <laughs> right no but i think that's yes. important because you can have a nice vision for everybody around you to live a happy life or cre- create a co- create a collective great destiny but it starts within you do you and your husband meditate together we meditate together we have a cup of coffee together <laughs> <laughs> so we we are present to each other when we are there all right okay let's do your for you so quick takeaways who's an inspirational teacher for you my husband i got i knew you were going to say that <laughs> which i love yeah you light up when you speak about him it's really beautiful um so clearly something's working <laughs> <laughs> what does your daily practice look like or do you even have one uh the soul sync practice i do it whenever yeah most of mo- every morning most mornings i would say um what is an indulgence for you i have a sweet tooth you so do when my daughter is not around me yes <laughs> so what would be if like there was anything right now if every sweet thing with sugar was around here what would you go for a chocolate lava cake i like it specific <laughs> warm and just mushy yeah. <laughs> would you want ice cream or whipped cream on it i usually no? don't take an ice cream because it adds to sugar so I I like to believe that it is 75% dark and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like it doesn't have ice cream I'm good. Um what is your best worst day? And by that I mean because you're one who can look at things differently you wouldn't look at something horrible that happened to you as the worst day. It could be something that's actually very transformative. But it was something that's happened to you that could be perceived from the outside as something awful but was a transformative moment for you. and have answer for this. Oh, I bet you do. But the problem is you see everything as like it's like you don't actually yeah, look at me, it in a negative. Yeah, for me I feel an experience is there and then immediately is what is it? What is the state? What what am I doing now? Okay. Am I getting into anxiety? Am I getting into fear? Am I getting into hurt? Am I getting into disappointment? And then get back to life. Not to see that one particular incident incident to be the entirety of life. Well for instance have you and your husband ever had a rough patch? Oh, a rough patch I wouldn't say we probably But you fight everyone <laughs> We have arguments, we fight but when we get back to each other it is not the baggage that is carrying It's a race. It is a race. That is why I always say if, if you want to be an individual who's capable of nurturing a beautiful relationship with your partner not that you are putting out to the universe that you need the right partner or telling this is the partner who I want but you need to be that individual capable of letting go of hurt, letting go of disappointment. You I'm do, and it's so hard. But it's true. I've said that too because I've I've been through stuff with my husband also, and I feel like the reason we're in such a good place is actually the ability to kind of, you know, forgive and move on. And sometimes it even surprises me the things that I've actually moved on from. But a thousand percent have. Like there's none of that issue. Yes, it is not like brewing inside and then you're yes. rea- relating. No, you from have to let it go. Brewing. Yeah, you have. And it and we see that I think both of us are individuals capable of. letting go of hurt like that because we believe that what is important is not the really hurt 
What is the relationship? Did you have a good relationship with your family growing up? Yes. Both my parents? Yes. I would always feel my mom loved my sister more than me. <laughs> <laughs> but my dad loved me more than my sister. Ah, so, so it was better. equal. Yes. My parents loved my brother more than me for sure. But then, you know what? Somewhere in the 20s, I started winning a okay. little bit. And then now, then now no, we're equal. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny. I definitely noticed that. Even my friends were like, your parents like really like you now. I'm like, I know, I'm riding it. <laughs> but I was a tough child, so I get it. It's like it works both ways when you can see it. I made my parents' life very difficult for a while. Okay. But um, so that, okay, that's so fascinating. Oh, so we did your four years. So we're going to do your personal practice, which you are going to do a soul sync meditation for us, five to 10 minutes. I really want to thank you. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. So wonderful being over here with Dal and, and your audience. I'm sure they would really love what we have spoken now. Oh my God, you, you're so great. Their, their minds are going to be churning and you guys she really looks like she's 20 years old so we, we should meditation all, books yeah we should all be doing that you are such a great you know poster child for it so thank you thank you for being here and thank you so much for your thank time thank you so much so now Prita G is going to lead us in her soul sync meditation bring attention to your breath let us count our breath with the touch of our thumb and our fingers. Let us take eight conscious cycles of breath. For the next eight cycles of breath, inhale. As you exhale, make a humming noise that would vibrate your head. Mmm. -hmm. 
the next eight cycles of breath. Inhale and exhale. Bring attention to the tiny little pause that happens between every inhalation and exhalation. the next eight cycles of breath. Inhale. As you exhale, chant within yourself, Aham or I am the limitless consciousness. bring a gentle touch between your thumb and your index finger. See yourself expand into the unitary fabric of life.
see yourself expand into light. There are no separate distinct individuals, no separate spaces, but one unitary fabric of life. See yourself, everything and everybody around you expand into light. Hold a heartfelt intention that you want to see manifest in your life. See it happening to you. Bring a gentle smile to your face. Open your eyes whenever you're ready. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.